Um, would you ever consider um, after your world championship days coming to Moto America and doing uh, some wild cards like Tony Elias or Hector Barbara or now even Loris Baz is doing it? Yeah, uh, for sure I followed uh, the Moto America. Um, I already two years ago I tried to get some contact. So who uh, who everybody watched this uh, <laughs> interview? Maybe I can use some contacts for uh, the future. Um, no, I I'm looking always the races because they are quite uh, nice. Also some old school tracks uh, that it's a little bit bumpy, jumping, uh, narrow. So. Uh, it's nice and also uh, Laguna Seca they will go soon so this is uh, racetracks uh, that is very nice to see bikes riding on these tracks and for sure I would like to ride also oh um, in my life yeah this year I do this uh, two championship with um, Moto E and Super Sport um, quite quite busy I was uh, five weeks in a row racing uh, jumping from from Moti to Supersport and back, um, quite successful. Uh, now we have summer break, but we are on testing. Uh, the next days uh, after tomorrow, we go to Manicourt in France. That uh, that I will know again a new track, because in uh, September we will have the race there. And uh, yeah. I hope the pandemic is soon finished that uh, we can have some more fans on the on the race. I think in America is is better, no? How are you doing today? Good and you? Excellent. I'm in uh, Michigan, United States. Um, where are you right now? I'm uh, in Most, in Czechy, uh, in the hotel. Okay, and you were in uh, at Bruno practicing? Um, in Most, it's the other racetrack here in Czech that okay. we will have the super sport race in uh, one month on 8th of August. That's exciting. So a new uh, circuit on the calendar? Exactly. Very good. And today I have Dominique Egeter. Uh, this is the ericswanracing.com podcast. I think it's number 60 already, so thank you for coming on talking with me. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. So this is a podcast format, so we can talk about whatever. You can ask me questions. We can go back and forth. Um, I don't really have any bullet points, so we can just kind of talk about racing and life and see where it goes. Good. So uh, this weekend has been the Independence Day for... America, July 4th and all that. Do you guys celebrate anything over there? Yeah, of course. Uh, everybody who have some contact with uh, American people, uh, they uh, celebrate this 4th of July. And um, yeah, I saw in social media many um, stories and um, celebrations. So it's nice to, to celebrate this day. Yeah, absolutely. And I did some celebrating of myself with uh, riding two wheels, supermoto at the racetrack. I rode a XR100, 100cc bike. I rode a Kawasaki 250. And then I also rode a Husqvarna 450 and the dirt and the pavement, mostly asphalt, but there's a, a little dirt section that was a little tricky for me. Cool. So um, I haven't really been into the supermoto too much, but just trying it out and learning something new, it's, uh, it's challenging. 
Yeah, I do also some uh, supermotard to um, to practicing and to training. And yeah, uh, a shame that we have no no tracks in Switzerland. But most of the time, I go to France or to Spain, and there have a lot of tracks. It's just not a big enough uh, thing for Switzerland, maybe. Uh, I don't know. Um, for sure, we have the place to build some uh, race tracks. Uh, we have also a lot of uh, motorsport um, fans and ride motorbike rider, but just um, the government or the the people around the cities they don't want any uh, tracks around around. Yeah, I understand. Um... Me not. <laughs> And so you're a uh, world-level rider for the last, what, 15 years since, I think, 2006? Is that right? Yeah, exactly, yeah. And that's got to be pretty difficult to have to compete at the top of the world level. It's not just your country you're competing in. You're competing with guys from all over the world. Yeah, uh, exactly. I, I ride uh, since 2000, um, 2007, the first year in the, in the World Championship. So there is... Um, the best riders uh, from all around the world joining uh, in this time Moto2 and uh, 1 to 5, uh, 250. Um, I was riding Moto2 a long time, so uh, we had uh, many different um, riders from many different countries. And yeah, it's not easy to be the fastest, but uh, like me and Thomas Lütti is the only one who ride really in front in, in Moto2. Yeah, and then you've even had some experience on the new electric bikes. Uh, tell me about that experience. Yeah, I ride the, the Moto E bike uh, since one year now, or a little bit more than one year. It's completely different to a fuel bike. So the, the bike is nearly double weight because of the battery. Um, and also to opening the throttle is quite differently because in the slower corners you have a lot of uh, torque and in the faster corner you can open already before the apex again on full throttle so this is the biggest difference um yeah the, the handling for sure is slightly different but uh, in the end have two wheels and uh, you try to go as fast as possible just uh, yeah also you can make only like six, seven laps and then the battery is finished. And yeah, this is not yet so much development. development. Yeah, and I would assume that it's uh, no transmission or it's just one gear? Uh, just one gear. You just open the throttle. Well, that's got to make it out. different. For most riders, they always have their gear position for each corner, but you're not thinking about gear position. You're just thinking, what are you focusing on then? Your braking points? Yeah, it's it's uh, when you ride bikes, you know, by yourself, it's not just um, focusing uh, which gear I need to put inside uh, which corner. It's all, uh, it start in the braking point where you need to go inside, how long you hold the brakes, where to open the throttle again, uh, how is your body position and yeah, open the throttle again. And this you have in every corner differently. And uh, sometimes also, if the tire is new or use it, it's something different. So you still have a lot to do also if you don't need to shift the gears. Sure. And I'm, and I'm sure that there's different types of crashes because it has a different power delivery. 
maybe different types of high sides you got to watch out for? Yeah, we, we don't have any electronics on this bike, so it's all by your hands. Um, the most crashes you could see was uh, that the front was sliding away. Uh, just me, like last time in, in Assen, the last Moto E race, I crashed over the front. So uh, a lot of weight, the, the bike is 270 kilos, so it's a lot of weight pushing the, the front when you go inside the corner. But yeah, you could see also some high side when you really open the throttle with too much banking, then you you fly and normally this this crashes hurts. Yeah, uh, and you're wearing a full airbag suit now. Yeah, in uh, in MotoGP and all the MotoGP uh, classes, it's uh, airbag is obligatory. That's awesome to see. It's not in every country now. Yeah. I don't know, but I hope um, soon they will um, apply this to a, to a reglament because we try to be always safer uh, with the with the leather, with the boots, helmet, gloves, but also the the tracks try to be more safe with the track limits and the cra crash um, safety with the gravel. So uh, I think air packets helps you to be a little bit more safe if you crash. And you touched on something there I wanted to bring up, actually, uh, track limits. What do you think about the recent track limits uh, penalties that have been going on? Uh, <laughs> it's a little bit strange um, because I used to ride um, on race tracks uh, when the curbs is finished, it's coming grass. So, you know, when you exit too fast out of the corner, uh, you need to close the throttle or you need to uh, pull up your bike to not crash. Um, for sure, it's a safety reason. They put all the, the asphalt in green. So when you run over the curbs, you still have safety zone that the bike doesn't slide away. But I think it's so difficult then to, to handle this. Now with, with the Moto3, they use always the green part so they get penalties and i think for the for the fans outside sometimes they not really understand the regulation and if you touch only a little bit with the tire immediately you get um, a penalty or something like this and yeah it's it's a little bit safety but yeah for for me the old school it's uh, still more clear than <laughs> And now they're using sensors sometimes, and sometimes the sensors aren't going to be right. They could be a false positive, maybe. Mm, oh, difficult. They they use uh, now a lot of sensor that they immediately cancel your lap or give you some penalties. But I didn't hear now that there was some uh, wrong, wrong, um, how you say, wrong touches on the on this. Um, uh, lines so uh, I don't know maybe when some but some something touching this like an animal or I don't know a stone maybe it's a, a wrong wrong thing but for sure then you can always still see with the camera yeah you always have that visual reference anyways yeah um and uh is there any event on the calendar that you most look forward to I know there's not necessarily a favorite track every racer loves being at the racetrack but there's ones that suit your riding style maybe more than others um I like uh, a lot Misano the racetrack uh, we will have the Moto E race there in September 
Um, in three weeks, we will we'll go to Assen. Uh, this track in Holland, we I know also good, and I like this track. Um, yeah, then some new tracks like Most here in Czech and uh, Manicure in France that we will go with the Supersport. Um, this will be something interesting also to race um, here. Um, yeah, but I missed to come to <clears throat> to America because uh, Austin, Texas is my uh, favorite uh, racetrack. Circuit of the Americas? Yes. Yeah, it looks like a great one. They have, uh, that's more of a modern track. They have runoff everywhere. No, no grass almost. Just different, different layout. They have so much. There's a quadruple apex right-hand turn. You know, that's very rare. Yeah. Um, would you ever consider um, after your world championship days coming to Moto America and doing uh, some wild cards like Tony Elias or Hector Barbara or now even Loris Baz is doing it? Yeah, uh, for sure. I followed uh, the Moto America. Um, I already two years ago, I tried to get some contact. So who, uh, who everybody watched this uh, <laughs> interview, maybe I can use some contacts for uh, the future. Um, no, I, I'm looking always the races because they are quite uh, nice. Also some old school tracks uh, that it's a little bit bumpy, jumping, uh, narrow. So uh, it's nice and also uh, Laguna Seca, they will go soon. So this is uh, racetracks uh, that is very nice to see bikes riding on these tracks. And for sure, I would like to ride also. Yeah, I think uh, Moto America has been doing a great job uh, bringing the series up again. And now they even introduced a new class called King of the Baggers. So they're racing Harleys and Indians with full bags, fully dressed, 600 pound, 800 pound machines around these tracks. And um, I'm not sure what that is in kilos, but it's it's heavy. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw them. Uh, I saw them when when some people told me. Uh, I think already last year they started with this, no? Yeah. So uh, I say no, I, I don't trust this. So we we watch it on YouTube, and yeah, you really could see that they was down on the windscreen and a little bit sliding inside the corner <laughs> with like yeah, 300 or 400 kilobyte. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> It's another level, that's for sure. And so uh, you said you'd, you've been doing some supermoto for training. What other kind of stuff do you do to get ready for uh, riding the big bikes? Um, in the winter, I am always like uh, one, two months in, um, in Spain because uh, in Switzerland, the, the snow came there. <laughs> and in, in uh, Spain, always it's like between 10 and 20 uh, degrees I don't know in Celsius <laughs> uh, Fahrenheit sorry so um, I do a lot of running uh, cycling um, gym and then yeah motocross supermotard uh, pit bike all, all kind of different stuff dirt dirt track I ride also so uh, it's it's good to have I think different um, sports that you try to to make you fit um, different muscle and then yeah I think I'm quite fit for riding the, the bike yeah so a good variety helps you out you don't get bored you uh, have a different variety of muscle groups it sounds like uh, sorry so uh, you use a different amount of muscles or different muscle groups when you use different disciplines 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think everybody knows this when you uh, do something for the first time, the next day you get some uh, muscle pain. So sure, on the on the road bike, you use mostly always the same muscle, but it's depending which tracks you go. So, uh, for example, in Jerez, everybody had a little bit problems with these uh, forearms, uh, with the arm pump, or like in the past, Saxon ring, it's a, lof a long left corner, so you need a long time uh, to hold with your back and your leg, the left side. So it's it's good to also train some some different thing and not only riding bikes or only go running. So it's it's I think it's quite good to make sportive things. Yeah, I went to Auto City Speedway in Silo, Michigan uh, this weekend, and it was my first time there. Uh, they have um, it's an old car track oval that they put a dirt section on, and they made a tire track on the on the pavement section so that you could use both sides of it going up and down. Um, and so the the track is different every time. It's hard to compare lap times because the tires are going to be different. The, the dirt's going to be different. But what I found funny was there's like mostly left-hand turns because it's like a NASCAR track. And so my left-hand side of my body is just sore as hell this weekend. And I'm just trying to recover from it all. Like they need to make more right-handers. <laughs> Fine. That's fun. Learning new tracks and going to new places. I'm sure you've been to probably hundreds of different tracks by now. Yeah, uh, for sure, many. But yeah, the last, uh, let's say, 15 years uh, in the World Championship calendar was mostly similar, uh, similar tracks. Um, before I was riding um, German Championship. And yeah, of course, uh, in Spain, there is like 10 tracks that I go for testing or some, something like this. And um, yeah, yeah. Do you ever use any uh, video games or simulators for training and learning tracks? Um, I was playing last year a little bit because with the pandemic, uh, we get some boring time. So we make some, some races with uh, MotoGP and also friends. Um, Simulating is quite difficult to do. Uh, there is some machines, not not many of bike bike simulation, uh, because uh, of the um, how you say the the wind and um, the g force. The g force. You cannot really make the position that you have in a corner with I don't know sixty degrees. Yeah. Uh, when you do it in a simulator, you need to hold you with the arms and legs. But you can be relaxed when you go around the corner uh, because of the G-forces, yeah. So uh, it's not same than like a car simulator because there you can really fine-tune already your race car similar. Yeah, unless they have some sort of pulley system that will pull you to one side um, if you're turning right and pull you to the other if you turn left. I've seen they had those for the for driver helmets for like... Uh, Simulating G-force in the cars, uh, that'd be one way, but that's that's sounds expensive. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I have uh, one of those driving simulators in my living room, but it's pretty hard to replicate the, the motorcycle stuff for now. Maybe in 50 years we'll have something. So you have a simulator, bike simulator in your room? Uh, for cars, for cars. One of the driving wheels, yeah. 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 
So I use that for training. Uh, that helps out, I think, um, because there really isn't anything for bikes. You can't have the feel, even on the controllers, you can't really feel what you're doing. I feel like I lose the front too often in those games. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's all fun. Yeah. Um, so what's going on in your life? Is there anything you want to talk about today? Oh, um, in my life, yeah. This year I do this uh, two championship with um, Moto E and Super Sport. Um, quite, quite busy. I was uh, five weeks in a row racing, uh, jumping from from Moto E to Super Sport and back. Um, quite successful. Uh, now we have summer break, but we are on testing. Uh, the next days uh, after tomorrow we go to Manicure in France that uh, that I will know again a new track because in uh, September we will have the race there and uh, yeah I hope the pandemic is soon finished that uh, we can have some more fans on the on the race I think in America is is better no yeah it's uh, it's getting better they're opening things up again um, you know in America everybody wants to be free at all costs. So uh, people are just rebelling and the governments are opening up though. It, uh, you can go anywhere just about with no mask on now. Um, and it's, and people don't yell at you. So we're getting there. <laughs> uh, this is nice because yeah, in, okay. In Switzerland also the country open more stuff again, but yeah, in uh, some racetracks we, we uh, still not have fans, so I hope I can see uh, some fans around the track soon. So do you think that having fans there changes how the race unfolds? Do you think it has a psychological effect on like, oh, I have to do better or I have to pass this guy here? Um, for sure, it's a big support, the, the fans. Um, sure, it helps you mentally a little bit. And also when you see... Um, I don't know when you go out of out of Europe to Malaysia or America and you see some Swiss flag. So these people take the Swiss flag, come to watch the race, cheering on you. So yeah, you try your best and even try something more to to show uh, your country or just to show you personally the best. So for sure this helps. And I was missing this the, the last few races, yeah. And uh, I went to actually Road America for Moto America uh, a couple of weeks ago, and they said they had a higher turnout for fans than they did in 2019, which is fantastic to see. Yeah, this is nice. This is nice. Oh. Sure, every people now when something is open, they they want to go because yeah, they miss for sure racing, and uh, it's it's nice to watch. And racing should be fine anyway. It's all outdoors and all outdoor stuff should be okay, right? Uh, yeah, normally. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I just started some something new recently. Uh, I've been racing for many years, but I kind of ran out of money. So I'm trying to build a business to help fund it all in my spare time. Um, but I'm also doing corner working now. So corner working, flagging, and communication with race control um, at the racetracks. So standing on the side of the racetrack, picking up bikes and flagging when I need to. Uh, it's a whole new thing. I've never seen that perspective of the sport before. And I'd recommend it to any racer. Uh, some, and most times, so far, every time I've done it, I've done it twice, uh, two full weekends. 
I've gotten paid for it. So it's like you get paid to be at the racetrack. It's awesome. So this uh, this trophy is behind you. It's all from from you. Yeah, all from me. Um, I raced modified sport bikes in the 600 class uh, in regionals and nationals in the in U in the U.S. Um, and uh, I did from 2010. I started track days 2011 and just slowly progressed. Got into novice racing. Did expert for a couple of years. Got my pro license and uh, just. Couldn't couldn't fund it all, so I decided to build a business to help do that. Okay, and you do also some um, uh, running running uh, races or why yeah. the numbers? Some of them are uh, foot races and, and mountain bike races. So I do okay. foot racing, mountain bike racing, uh, go kart racing. I'm doing a, a go kart racing championship right now, just at the local place near my house. Um, they're like six and a half horsepower, 200 cc uh, carts, I think they are. Uh, but they have timing and scoring, and um, I'm leading the championship. I usually get fastest lap when I go there, and uh, just trying to keep competitive. You know, I'm not able to race the sport bikes like I'd really like to right now, so I'm getting into Supermoto, which is so cheap. I mean, it cost me $200 to ride for two days, um, which is like nothing compared to riding sport bikes. You know, it's a lot more expensive, so this is just a cheap way to get my fix. Yeah, this is uh, something that it's always difficult to speak about. But yeah, motor motorsport is very very expensive. Um, yeah, like you say, you can make two hundred dollar with uh, a nice weekend. You maybe burn one one set of tires, uh, some fuel. But when you go on a track day on a on a big track, first you need to pay. Uh, Five hundred dollar for for two days or even more, and then you burn a two tire with its two time three hundred dollar, and then you need fifty liter of fuel, not only ten liter. <laughs> and yeah, I I know this, and I'm I'm very very lucky that I have um, good sponsors, and I was always lucky to get some teams and private sponsors that help me out for for these uh, money problems. Yeah, it's an important part of the equation. If you don't get the finances right, you ain't racing. <laughs> yeah. For sure. So uh, um, it's important. And uh, yeah, it's it's just fun to, to be around the sport. You know, I knew getting into this sport, it was expensive. But I just keep thinking, what would my life look right like when I get it right? Yeah, it's for sure when you, everybody always think when, when you get to world championship, uh, you get paid, you have a lot of money, but as a motorbike rider, uh, my first three years in the one to five, I not even get money. I still needed to pay my travels uh, for all the Europe races. Um, I needed even to pay the, um, the tires. So... This was quite crazy, but I was lucky that I have good parents and also good private sponsor to help me in these years. And um, yeah, then in, in Moto2, uh, finally I, I could ride for free. Uh, all my travel was get paid, but my, my pocket money was just when I get some good result or some private sponsor who gave me some money. 
uh, yeah, not that easy to really lift from from racing. Also, if if uh, if you are a world championship rider. For sure, yeah. People don't realize most, you know, stick and ball sports, soccer and hockey and football, um, they make so much more money than motorsports athletes do typically. Um, and it's just, uh, they don't realize it's all pay to play. Yeah, and of course, the like, okay, I don't want to say something about football or, or the other sports. They, they give a good, uh, how you say, a good effort, but they don't use also the um, uh, how you say they maybe use a pair of shoes or something like this but we use uh, a lot of um how you say infrastructure tools. equipment yeah equipments to really to really race and also we have a big team behind um behind the bike who works for the to build the bike of if it's a mechanic or suspension electronic um and then at home, we also need to have a, a trainer to help us train or a physio um, cooking guy for the hospitality and stuff like this. It's it's all cost a lot of money. And also what I want to say, what you could see, it's that the sport is very dangerous. Um, also, you can you, you risk your life and also you you can ride maybe 10, 20 years maximum. To, <laughs> I'm already an old guy with 30 years when you ride motorcycles. So sometimes when you see that we 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 compete in the highest level, but we are not millionaires. <laughs> but if it was easy, we wouldn't want to do it for long because it'd be too simple. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's why uh, some people get hooked on it, like myself. It's because there's so many... Um, so many layers you can get into it and learn more and get better and it's just a lifelong journey of, of uh, trying to find the search for speed yeah this is something we love no <laughs> so this is something cool um yeah it's um it's something i'm just trying to stay around with the corner working selling parts online racing myself uh my brother's a four-time triathlete, so he's he's way more fit than I am. But um, it's it's just cool to see that uh, the racing spirit. A triathlete, or what you say? Uh, triathlete, so swimming, biking, and running. Oh, nice! Like a marathon. Yeah, I I know. We have uh, Daniela Reef. She is uh, one of the best, no? As girl. Yeah. And. Yeah. Uh, you have the uh, all the beautiful landscapes out in, in your countryside. I'm sure that all the, uh, the the bikes are going through them this time of year. Yeah, the um, Tour de France and uh, yeah, also mountain biking. We have a lot of mountains and yeah, in the summer that yeah, also in the winter. The Switzerland is quite a nice country and yeah, we have some good uh, good uh, sport guys around the world. <laughs> Yeah, it sounds like a great place to go to go vacation and uh, get some mountain bike riding. And I, I love mountain bike riding. Um, I do the mountain bike championship. Uh, if you do at least five rounds, you can pretty much compete for the, the take your best five out of 10. Um, so I'm trying to do at least five or six rounds this year and see how I do. But I don't do so well at the human powered stuff. I need an engine behind me. <laughs> 
if you go downhill, you just need a little bit crazy head and then it's flowing down. No? <laughs> yeah, using the brakes, I got uh, hydraulic disc brakes on my mountain bike, just like a motorcycle. <laughs> oh, yeah. And you said you ride uh, road cycling or the mountain bike more often? Um, when it's nice weather, I do a lot of uh, road cycling. Um, I it's just I can go nearly around Switzerland, so you can get, um, yeah, you can go much more far. And with the mountain bike, it's more when, sorry, uh, when the in in our here is already ten thirty in the evening. So oh yeah. <laughs> um, no, when, when it's a little bit more cooler, um, I go with the mountain bike and um, yeah, it's nice around my town. There is a small uh, uh, uphill and downhill, so it's quite nice. Very good. Yeah, the mountain bike's more for the technical stuff. The road bikes, you're, when you're flying, going 20, 30 miles an hour or 60 kilometers, maybe. Yeah. Flying. Um, yeah, so I just... Uh, Glad to talk to you on here. I think you're the highest ranking uh, racer that I've talked to yet. I've talked to Brandon Cretu, who is the Isle of Man guy, but uh, maybe you're the first one for the from the World Championship. Yeah. <laughs> After uh, two, three months, we could find a date, so it's quite perfect, no? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I'll uh, take some time editing and posting this one. I still have about five or six that I've already recorded, but I have yet to edit and post. I'm a little behind, but... Um, It'll definitely get out there sooner or later. Yeah, you, ha you are busy with uh, all the super motard, mountain biking, running, and... <laughs> Trying to yeah. find a time for a life in there somewhere. Yeah. But my life is my life is two wheels. That's what I try to say. That's good. My, mine also. So about how many weekends a year do you think you're at the track? Oh, um... We have uh, 14 races with Supersport, um, always double, double races, so Saturday and Sunday, and uh, seven races with the Moto E, so it's 21 weekends I'm away, uh, and then, I don't know, maybe 10 time or 12 time we have testing, so it's a lot of weekends I'm away. It's most of the weekend. <laughs> yeah, most of them. <laughs> <laughs> most of them, yeah. So, uh, you know, as I started going to the track more often, I developed like a go bag, a travel bag that I almost never unpack. Do you have something like that that's just ready and is always on the road? Yeah, I have um, my bag. Uh, it's always, yeah, nearly I have one side for the fresh clothes and one side for the dirty one so always i take out the dirty ones and wash it put it back in and yeah this year i just need to give attention that sometimes i have the yamaha shirt from tenkite and uh, sometimes i have the electric uh, t-shirt um, with the intact dinamo team so <laughs> just to give attention for this but yeah traveling around the world is uh, i know what i need to bring and lucky that always my stuff can be with the team truck or with the team boxes. So I just need to take my teeth brush, my underwears and just fly. <laughs>
And so you guys have a, a motorhome that you sleep in, or do you always go to a local hotel? Uh, we have a hotel most of the time, yeah. Only the, the MotoGP riders in Europe, they have the, the big, big motorhomes. Um, maybe in America, everybody have these big motorhomes, but for me, it's always like huge when I see them. <laughs> so, yeah, in the past, when I was riding one to five, uh, still in this time, we could enter the paddock uh, with a small motorhomes. But um, yeah, in 2012, they forbidden to, to go in with the motorhomes only for the MotoGP riders because all the hospitality and the, the pit, uh, the, the trucks getting bigger. So there is not uh, enough place uh, in the paddock for all these small motorhomes. Gotcha. So you guys got kicked out, huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You know, every time I go to the track, um, I, just, I just bring a tent and just camp there. That's the cheapest way you can do it. I just bought a brand new tent. It's a 60 second pop-up tent uh, for 150 bucks. That's like, I, got, I just bought my, uh, my next house for the next 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not the most comfortable and it, it kind of stinks if it rains, but uh, I'll struggle through it for uh, a free camping night. Yeah, it's, it's very comfortable. So when it's raining or sun shining, you have a tent, you can put your bike or something in, uh, under. It's easy going. I like this style. It's just homegrown, you know, local, local racer stuff. Yeah, easy going. <laughs> For sure. Um, do you follow any other championships like cars or any other uh, racing championships? Uh, most of them is uh, motorsport. Uh, so I, I follow the motocross in the winter time, the, the supercross uh, in America. It's very interesting to see uh, with uh, Ken Rodsken or Tomac or Webb. This is it's very um, crazy to see these races. Um, I don't know, 15 races in, in a row or something like this every weekend. Um, then uh, yeah, Moto America I follow, I follow the British Superbike, um, yeah, of course, the, the MotoGP and the, the Superbike, the World, World Championship, um, and what else? Um, Motocross, the World Championship, MXGP, with uh, Jeremy Siever, we have a Swiss rider, it's fast, and Donus, and um, yeah, car racing, not so much. Uh, sometimes the, the Formula E and the DTM, because uh, I know some people who ride there. But yeah, Formula One, I nearly never check. Um, because also, you know, uh, many weekends I'm away from home. So uh, I have my laptop with me. So sometimes when I'm uh, a free day, I, I just watch again the race. I try to to don't watch too much on social media what they did, so then the race is still interesting. I mean, there's only so much time you have. You can only watch so many series and keep up with so many things. Uh, I find myself nowadays, like, there's probably 13 races I've missed that I have that I could watch, but it's like, there's too many, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, in the summer, every weekend, nearly there is races, and sometimes it's not possible to to watch all when you have uh, your own race weekend or also when you have one time free 
uh, you are training somewhere, uh, yeah, in the motocross bike or go cycling for four, five, six hours. So, yeah, sometimes it's not that easy to follow everything. I would usually put on a race when I when I'm on my rollers for cycling in the house. If it's bad conditions out, I'll watch a race then. Um, but then I got to be careful because my rollers are off to the side of my TV. So if I'm not paying attention, I'll go off the rollers. You know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's good training. Sometimes I do the same. Training and watching races. Yeah. Um, and so I was going to ask about tires. So it probably differs a lot from the e-bike. The e How many sets of tires do you use on the e-bike to going over to the, to the 600 Supersport? Um, is it a different amount of, of sets per weekend that you're allotted for each class of those? Yeah, uh, each class have different um, amounts of uh, of tires. Uh, in the um, in the Super Sport, we use the Pirelli tires. Um, there we have um, uh, two different in front and two different in rear, and every rider have the same uh, compound and amount. So. I, <laughs> I'm a rider, but I'm not sure exactly how much <laughs> the amount is, but around um, seven, seven front and seven rear. Okay. So you, in the end, you need to um, use one time, uh, use a tire for some practice. You don't have any, every time uh, uh, new. And um, then it's, Depends of the track, depends of the temperature, uh, which tire you will use. And in the in the Moto E, uh, we have only uh, Michelin tires and only one compound. And there is five fronts and five rears. And uh, we have every exit the same uh, the the new tire, but only one exit we will have used tire. Uh, with these tires, we we make the e-pole lap in the previous race. So the e-pole lap, it's only an out lap, one fast lap, and the in lap. So these tires have only three laps, and we use this tire for the free practice one. Yeah. Do you, uh, do you wish there was more tires available to you, or do you think that's uh, enough? Um, yeah, as a rider, if you don't need to pay the, the tires by yourself, <laughs> for sure, um, you would like to go out always with new tire. Even if you make a pit stop, you would like to go out with new tire because um, you have always a good feeling normally with, um, with a new tire. And most of the time depends uh, after, I don't know, 10 laps, the tire drops a little bit. So uh, to have the maximum grip always, it's nice to have a new tire, but um, it's also important to make some laps on the tires because the, the race is not only five laps or 10 laps. Uh, in Moto E is six, seven laps, but in Supersport is around uh, 18, 19 laps. So it's also quite important to work for the um, uh, race distance. Uh, talking about race distance, are you interested in uh, endurance racing at all? Yeah, um, I was riding already endurance race uh, four, five times. Five times I was in uh, Suzuka, eight hours. 
it's yeah. quite a famous um, race. Yeah. Uh, three time on the podium uh, was was quite nice this um, the experience. Uh, a very important race there in Japan with all the manufacturer from from Honda, Suzuki, Yamaha, Kawasaki. So I have a very good connection there. And to eight hours, twelve hours, I think it's very nice. I would like to to compete more, but the twenty four hours, um, it's quite difficult. I I'm not sure uh, until now. I don't like really much. To, to ride in the night and so long time. So it's quite difficult to say now, but the eight hours and 12 hours for sure, it's a nice, nice racing. Yeah, the 24 hours seems like you got to really prepare for that. You're going to have to go to sleep a couple of times maybe and do several different stints. That's a, that's a whole day event. <laughs> yeah, this is, this must be a very crazy event for, for the rider, but also for the, for the bike, for the stuff, and this is something very crazy, I think. Anything can go wrong at any point, even in the 20 lap race. Now you're doing a couple hundred laps. Yeah, this also for the body is very demanding because uh, the eight hour race, what I did uh, five times, I was two times in the race. I was riding only with two, two uh, me and another rider. So I was riding four hours and the other one four hours and we had, yeah, like 40 minutes to recover because you jump out of the bike, then you change your um, leather, you go to the ice path because in the summer in, uh, in Japan, it's like 40 degrees with a big humidity and then you cool down. You try to eat something, then you have a small debrief with the team if you want to change something and with the tire and uh, the new, um, how you say, the new, uh, how, how, um, how long you will the next uh, stint have, how many laps and what's going on. And then they say, okay, you need to change again. So this four time in a row. Uh, it's very demanding for the body and every, everywhere there is a blister on the hand and you cannot eat anymore and some cramp is coming. So it's, it's very hard. It's just completely exhausted and you have to push the bike to the limit of physics for the entire time. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Sounds, uh, sounds like a challenge. That's for sure. Um, where, are there any other tracks that you have in mind that you'd like to do an endurance race on that they don't do endurance races on? Oh, um, difficult to say. Uh, um, I think in the world championship tracks, it's, it would be, you can do in every track, I think this, um, 24 hour race because the, the security is there. Maybe they need to put some more lights, but, um, the tower yeah. good. they have the lights. Where? Qatar would be maybe good. They have the lights. Yeah, in Qatar, it's it's like day. So <laughs> they can ride <laughs> always during the day or during the night. It's always day there. Yeah. Uh, but it sounds like it's uh, it would be just ridiculous to try to race there in the middle of the summer, in the middle of the desert. <laughs> yeah. It's, during the daytime. It's crazy. I was riding there a few times in the night and... Uh, the light is so strong. Uh, 
nearly can go with the black visor because the light is so strong. So um, just when you're writing and you watch to the light, it's quite um, demanding for your eyes. And uh, also uh, when you write the first time, you see around your bike, you see more shadows. So this is very strange because normally when you write in the daytime or uh, you see one shadow, but when you see like four shadows around your um, bike, it's very strange. <laughs> you know, that would probably give you a little bit of uh, insight to maybe who's behind you. You could see a shadow of a helmet or something. Maybe a <laughs> Yeah, if you have some mirror, it's it's dangerous. Better not to have. Only watch forward. Sure, sure. I just meant from the shadow. You might be able to see the rider shadow behind you. Oh, uh, yeah, not really, because when when you see the shadow, you can see already the bike. Oh but yeah. You can see your shadows, and this is very strange when you see more shadows. From the same bike normally you see only one so this is the strange point sure so uh do you see any up-and-comers uh any new riders who are coming on the scene that you're impressed by yeah of course this um agosta in the moto 3 it's uh, very fast uh he make uh, a great job uh, with... pedro oh, sorry is that pedro pedro yeah pedro agosta um, he make a very uh, crazy job. He finish, uh, I don't know, four time first now in the first uh, few Moto3 races. Um, he's, he, he looks very cool and he's very smart. So I think he can be a um, uh, very competitive rider in the, in the future. And yeah, what, what I'm still looking is for sure Rossi that I, I don't know, it's... Um, like a god for me, and it's all I, I always, um, how you say, um, wish him good luck to get some good wrestle because I like him. And in the other part, now with the injuries of uh, Mark Marquez, I just follow his his laps always, how, how he can do. And he was the last uh, six, seven years the man to beat. And now with a quite big injury, he cannot come back same than uh, than before. Okay, in Saxwing he win uh, impressive, but um, he's still uh, not the old Marcus. He's still got a little bit of uh, recovering to do, but he's uh, you know eleven in a row at the Saxon ring. That's unheard of. <laughs> this is crazy. Like like in America in the um, in Austin he was okay. He crashed one time I think two years ago. No, but he was. Uh, winning all the races, pole position, and uh, crazy. If you can do this, it's very, you have a very good talent and you are a big, big hero already. What do you think Mark Marquez has that others don't? He's got some sort of consistency, but he's also not inconsistent at 80%. He's been consistent at 100%. <laughs> Whew, um, he's a uh, for sure, he, he is a very talented rider, but also when he gets to one to five, uh, he gets around with uh, very good teams, uh, very good um, uh, coaches, if it's the riding coach or trainer, physio, 
um, he have a, a very good line, and um, I think he's uh, with his brother together. He can train also to to um, compete also at home all the time, and yeah, he have just a very strong mind to to never give up. He have a very very good feeling to the bike to to um, get it slide if it's from the rear from the front that he can feel it very good okay he had many crashes many safe but he in every corner in every straight in every braking every accelerating he tried to um, go to the limit and this is what you can see from outside and this is very impressive still won the world championship. So it's not how many times you crash, it's when you crash, is it practice or is it the race, the qualifying, and how bad was the crash? Did you just took the front or did you uh, have a yard sale? Yeah, there is, uh, he had many, many crash. He was many, many years, he was one of the most crashing guy, um, but also because he tried to search the limit, how much fast I can go through this corner or home late I can break. So this is why he he crashed so many times, but also that he wins so many races. And um, yeah, for sure he was also many, many times very, very lucky because he had many big crashes and nothing happened. But now last year when he crashed, um, yeah, was quite a big, a big uh, accident. Uh, I don't know what happened exactly then with his arm that he make uh, uh, two, three operation more. But for sure, if you miss one year of racing um, and you still are not 100% fit and you still feel your arm maybe sometimes, so you don't feel 100% safe or you cannot give 100% of body uh, strongness. This is why he's not fit. Uh, first in every race now, I think. Yeah. You know, um, wanting to come back so soon, your body just isn't ready sometimes. And uh, it's hard to get that strength when you're got broken bones. It's just got to take time. Yeah. For sure. Um, so yeah, Pedro Acosta is one to look out for. Um, and there's, uh, you mentioned a, a lot of Swiss athletes. Are there any Swiss up-and-comers in the, in the motorbike scene? Um. Yeah, there was one. Um, maybe you know the Dubasquier, Jason. He passed away um, in the qualifying of uh, Mucello, maybe one, two months ago. Um, yeah, he was a young, talented guy who made the Moto3 championship. So now we are only two old guys with me and, um, and Thomas Lütti in Moto2. Uh, also, there is Krummenacher, but he's also 30 years. Uh, and then, whew, young, talented guys, there is not many. Uh, it's a shame. Um, but like we spoke earlier, uh, it's, uh, there is no racetrack in, in, um, in Switzerland. There is uh, uh, yeah, not help from the government or from the organization. So uh, it's not so easy to get uh, a motorbike rider as a Swiss guy. 
but yeah, we still have one guy in the in the Red Bull Rookies Cup and in the Blue Crew uh, Yamaha R3 Cup. So I hope they will have the the jump inside to the World Championship racing. Do you think uh, you'll ever start any sort of uh, training academy um, to help Swiss riders or something like that? You know, you see other other teams doing it or other riders doing it, and it seems like a good fun fun thing to do, and also maybe make money on the side. Yeah, I would love, I would love because sometimes I when I see the the VR forty six academy um, or also in Spain. They are training a lot together, um, and it's something that helps you a lot. You know that um, because to go every day to the gym, every day to running, every day to cycling, it's also a big motivation you need to need to have. And maybe sometimes when you don't feel so good or when you had some bad races, uh, it's need you need to have this motivation, and for sure it helps when. There is ten other riders, you, and you want to be always the best. So you always show your best in these moments. And um, yeah, when when you see the VR46, that the riders are all all good or all in in the front. So he bring many to MotoGP already, and um, they they train every day. If it's in the gym, if it's go running, uh, also like um, mental training or go to school to to the fitness check or body check so this is all small details that that helps you to really be in front in the world championship and i think when i can give my experience that i make over these years and what i saw uh, what is important also to be a world championship rider to some younger swiss guys uh, would be for sure a dream yeah Pass on that knowledge uh, that you've learned over the course of decades now would be very valuable. What do you say again? Pass on that knowledge that you've learned over the past couple of decades would be uh, would be great. Yeah, yeah, I learn a lot around around the world uh, with many different teams, many different bikes, a different championship as well. So. Um, Yes, sometimes my experience helps me a lot to to ride fast. <laughs> yeah, and you've been battling with Tom Luthi out there. He's he's a big name and uh, after country countryman. Um, he's been uh, a staple. He's been in there for just uh, it seems like as long as Rossi has been riding. <laughs> yeah, nearly. I think he's riding world championship now since two thousand three. Okay. Um, yeah, a long time for sure. <laughs> Uh, but yes, now this year and last year he had a um, not good season, but before he was still fighting for the championship in Moto2. Yeah, he had a bad crash, I think, in Malaysia that set him back. Yeah, one year, yeah. Um, yeah, so it's always about uh, not getting injured, walking away from crashes. You see some people, they have uh, this knack to, to crash but not get injured. And then some people crash one time and they break a bone every time. <laughs> uh, I, I think, yeah, it's also a bit of luck for sure when you have a big crash, if you broke something or don't broke something. But 
uh, sure it helps when you are very fit when your body is really fit so when you crash immediately your body react to the to the crash try to save all the the bones with the muscle or still your brain is working so you can see where you flying or where you sliding to so this for sure helps and yeah i i never hope uh if somebody crashed that they broke something or try to be always safe as possible but yeah we know that when you with motorbike when you put i see always when you put a helmet on the on the sport the, the sport for sure it's a little bit dangerous in uh, football and, and soccer in soccer you see heading injuries all the time people going up for headers and bump, bumping their head <laughs> yeah it's a different sport but i see i still think uh motorbike racing is much more dangerous oh yeah yeah for sure um yeah so uh, you can go flying off how fast are those moto e-bikes going now 140s 150s yeah, I think one one fifty one fifty five was the maximum speed that we had. Yeah, and Pretty with quick. The, the super sport we can go to two eighty two ninety. Wow, <laughs> and the the MotoGP is going, uh, <laughs> yeah, three or two hundred twenty one miles an hour. That's oh, wild. So it's three sixty kilometer per hour. <laughs> wild. Do you think that they are going to keep going faster or do you think that there's going to be some sort of threshold that they're going to stop at a certain point? Um, they was already talking about when I think Sarko or Binder make the top speed uh, record um, that they should reduce the speed and uh, yeah, it's getting dangerous, but it's, it's something um, that we de develop is is every year that the manufacturer try to be uh, more aerodynamics more power more um, downforce um to 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 break the lap record or to break the the speed record and yeah it's also something that the rider wants uh, wants you know like um to to go faster so uh, sure it's getting also more dangerous but in the same time all the security of the track it's getting uh, bigger the, the how you say the, the zone where you crash uh, the gravel the gravel uh, part will be bigger um, or the, the the airbags is coming on the leather suite or is here so this is all all stuff that also developing and i think they just keep running and for me, it's okay. I like the speed. <laughs> uh, it's hard for, to say, oh, we have to go slower now. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, that's not like most racers just say we want to go slower, but uh, 300 miles an hour seems really fast. You know, I did uh, I did interview a land speed record holder, a woman, Valerie uh, Thompson, and she, she had a 328, or I'm sorry, Valerie Thompson, yeah. She had 328 mile an hour land speed record in the Bonneville Salt Flats on uh, on those uh, massive streamliner motorcycles. And okay. I mean, that's over a hundred miles an hour faster than MotoGP. <laughs> but okay, she go only straight, no? Only straight, yeah. She said yeah. she has to uh, she has to steer based on the horizon of the of the earth. Yeah. <laughs> She's just going so fast. 
I think when a MotoGP bike put um, a big gearing in in the front and rear sprocket, I think she uh, they can go over four hundred as well. Oh wow! cool to see. They need uh, they need some more downforce with all those winglets just to keep them on the ground. Yeah, <laughs> this this is something I don't like too much because yeah, the bike when you watch it. Okay, it's also the future. Now all the street bikes have already the, the winglets, but um, it's something I, I like the bike more without really putting some very big winglets. And uh, it's, yeah, it's a little bit strange, but yeah, you need this in, in this time with this power, uh, with this speed to, to gain some, some downforce and some speed. And what do you think about the... Uh... The whole shot device. I've heard a couple of riders say they don't want to use it. Yeah, I I, I was riding motocross before I start road racing. So uh, when in 2000, ooh, long time ago, 2003 or 2002, um, we started already with this uh, whole shot device in motocross for put the front suspension down to keep the front wheel more down when you start out of the gate. In motocross was much more important also because uh, all the 40 riders were starting in the same line. Um, and in, in Moto2, when uh, I was uh, riding Suter with the Swiss manufacturer, I tell always, hey, we need to do some starting device. And they say, yeah, they will, um, they will uh, try to make something. And um, in the end, they never do. And like four or five years later, the MotoGP came with this uh, device. Yeah. I always try to do developed stuff. You know, um, things are always changing. They're always going to be banding new technologies. But um, I don't know. If it's, if it's faster, it'll probably stay unless it gets banned. Yeah. We'll see what, where it goes and uh, what happens. You know, they just developed a new technology for Formula One that they can push in and out the wheel to change the camber or the toe angle of the wheels. So that's that's a new uh, a new input. You only have so many inputs that you can have on a car or a bike. Uh, to develop a brand new input is kind of interesting. Yeah, this is uh, very interesting. Um. Maybe one day they'll have a wheel that'll shoot out of the side of the bike that'll stop a low side. <laughs> yeah, it's it's possible. Um, or maybe some sort of counter shaft balance that'll that'll uh, stop high sides. I don't know. Feels like it's possible. I think this this kind of stuff will will come because all all the electronics and all the developments they they will make somehow the bike faster. <laughs> and safer yeah um you know there's almost no road racers who wear neck braces but a lot of um motocross riders do do you think that um that they should ride them or should wear them in road racing um it's not possible for road racing because you go on the how you say um you go under the, under the windscreen yeah so you need to have uh, this movement and in motocross, you are always like this. Okay. So um, you, you move only a little bit like this, but in road racing, you make really like, 
watching forward when you are down on the windscreen and on the straight and also in the corner you need some movement with the head so it's you cannot really have anything more around your neck because it will disturb you too uh, restrictive restrictive uh, restricts your movement too much you can't move the way you need to yeah exactly exactly yeah yeah it seems like a good idea but not for the right sport yeah in in motocross um i use it always when i go riding um it's i think it's a good thing um but was coming like 10 years ago in motocross and so everybody was using it uh, especially in the world championship in the supercross and stuff like this but now some people use it some people not but i don't know why not every motocross rider uses it because i think it's a very safety mode oh yeah sounds like a good idea for sure um talking to social media now are you out there on the inter internet anywhere where can people find you um yeah <laughs> i'm i'm uh, many time active uh on instagram of course to keep my fans uh, posted and uh, yeah i have uh, facebook twitter um yeah what else snapchat tiktok tiktok i'm not so good on it <laughs> and uh, yeah instagram is the best way to follow me what's your uh, username on there uh tommy egerter or tommy egerter 77 okay and are you a youtuber do you make videos uh yeah also youtube um i have an account but I just put some video inside from from writing, but yeah, I'm not not so good in in this kind of stuff, or not yet. You need to get a like a video guy or something. Yeah, for sure. Uh, if if somebody know how to to cut videos, and uh, I would be yeah, I think I I could explain some stuff, some interesting stuff. Yeah, for sure. Um, I interviewed a guy, Gray Pham, in one of my earlier episodes, who's a videographer for Moto America, and he's done World Superbike, World Endurance. Um, so he's probably been the same paddock of you of some at some point. And uh, it's just cool to see his perspective on the sport, seeing it from a videographer's perspective, and seeing you know all the different things he knows. He knows all the different angles. You know, he's a professional racer himself, so he knows the angles you want to get. Uh, that look cool, you know, backing it in, getting on the throttle, the, the rear, rear end stepping out, um, getting the yeah, black yeah. mark lying on the ground. Nice. Oh, that's cool to see those uh, those shots. The slow mo, high definition camera, you know, all that stuff. Yeah, this is crazy. It's crazy how the the camera works, the onboard cameras and stuff like this is crazy shots you can get from a. From the these small cameras and uh, you'd normally have a, a dash cam on your bike um only now when i'm first in the championship i have some onboard cameras but um we just have our um, dashboard from the motorbike uh that we can watch the the lap times the sector times um which gear is in it in in the super sport bike <laughs> e-bike have no 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 uh, gears um the shift light and um what else we have 
uh, yeah, sometimes the organization can send some information when the the black flag for uh, something is broken on the bike or the checkered flag or red flag when the uh, race is uh, um, uh, something happen. And yeah, this is what we can see on our dashboard. And something new, relatively new, is the long lap penalty. And uh, that seems like it's a, a good addition to the championship. You know, it doesn't completely ruin people's races. Yeah, um, this I, I think it's a very nice um, uh, rule. Um, but of course, like we, we spoke also earlier with the um, track limits, when you cross the track limits three times, you get a long lap penalty. Uh, yeah, it's a little bit strange. And also in, in Moto3, the, the guys is very crazy uh, with the um, slipstream for the FP3 already and then the qualifying. So they get uh, very hard penalties to to start from the back of the grid or get two long lap penalties or starting even for the pit lane. Uh, but still they continue to doing this crazy stuff and following each other. So I hope they find some other ways there to to make it better. You know, maybe they'll go to like a, a Moto E qualifying type session for Moto 3 because they can't control themselves. So what if they just make them do one lap and come in for, for qualifying like you guys do? Um, this would be sure uh, some some good points. Um, I already say this sometimes, you know, that make a e-poll like just one lap because in the end, everybody waiting until from 10 minutes to one minute 40. So, and then everybody leave the pit, make one lap. And if you have luck, you are in front. When you are not luck, you are in back. Or when you make some stupid um, dangerous things, uh, you starting even from from pit lane, so I think it's it's dangerous this Moto three um, practice and qualifying. So they should they should make something uh, more safe or differently there that they cannot follow each other like this. Yeah, and something I learned from my brother from triathlon racing is there is no drafting. You cannot draft anybody for any period of time. And that surprised me because I'm I'm always trying to draft the person in front of me, but that would be interesting if they instituted a no drafting in qualifying. It's hard it's hard to do that because sometimes you just get stuck behind someone. Yeah, I, I it's it's like in triathlon. Yeah, um, you cannot um, draft uh, like slipstream uh, each other, but when you are uh, like in um, he overtake you or you go to a corner and he go inside and you go inside. So he's already again in slipstream. So for sure, it's always better to have, I don't know, 50 meters or 20 meters behind them. But somehow the wind helps you. And on the on the road bicycle, you can feel a lot. Or maybe like a TT start like they do for the Isle of Man. Every 30 seconds, somebody goes off or 10 seconds. I don't know. Uh, this this would be interesting, sure. Every fifteen seconds, and when they make a mistake or when they wait, immediately get a penalty or something like this. So everybody will push. Um, so I I would um, this would be a good a good thing. Yeah, I I think uh, soon they will come with a new regulation for this for sure. 
Uh, well, if you know anything about racing, it's that it's going to change. So I'm sure that something's going to change soon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, we're at our hour mark, I think a little bit over it already. Um, so we can kind of wrap things up here. I'll let you go, I'll let you get back to your sleep because it's uh, nighttime where you're at, but it's only in uh, uh, dinner time where, I'm, where I am. So uh, <laughs> thanks for so much for coming on here. And do you have any other message you want to say to the world? No, just uh, keep safe, uh, enjoy racing, enjoy life, uh, keep smiling and uh, be happy and yeah, follow us, me and you. So we, you will get some good uh, information about racing. Very good. Well, thanks again. And I'll get this edited and posted and uh, share it with you in a couple of weeks. And uh, make sure you share it with your network so just get as many eyeballs as possible. Yeah, just tag me and we will keep in contact. All right. Thanks, Dominique. And have a great night. Thank you. Thank you for your question and for your time. Enjoy. Bye-bye. Goodbye, everybody.